this central bank of central bank has far bigger fish to fry than gold. The BIS is currently unable to account for some $65 billion of their words, huge missing and growing debt. They now have to keep printing or we crash. We've got this ticking time bomb. Talking gold with the one and only Andrew McGuire. Welcome to Live from the Vault. Welcome to Live from the Vault. My name is Shane Moran and I'll be your host for this episode and from the entire Live from the Vault team worldwide. We want to thank you for your continued support as we end the year, come towards the end of the year now. And as you can imagine, you know, the community keeps growing and growing every single week. And thanks to you, our Live from the Vault community. Thank you so much. And there's a lot to talk about during these historic times. And fear not, because we have Andrew McGuire in the house and we'll be talking gold. And this is going to be an amazing episode. So fasten your seatbelts. You're not going to want to miss any of this. You know, Life in the Vault gives you access to information and updates you just can't get anywhere else. And this episode will be no exception. And with that, let's head over to the UK and talking gold with Andrew McGuire. Hey, Andrew, as always, uh, requested every single time. Can you update us? on what you're seeing as we exit this year and your expectations even more importantly for what do you see in 2023 yeah shane it's been quite a journey hasn't it really i can't believe it i mean we're in the hundredth and god knows what episode here and um but but i mean again kind of thinking where we started the year uh, as we now exit this year um yeah shane our subscribers you know know i think one of the key focuses that we've had is we've been is been on the erosion of this pestilent paper market as its liquidity slowly morphs uh, into a globally settled physical marketplace which is actually transcending the lbma cme captive ring fence now we've been tracking this and it's been like a slow process but we have definitely seen a huge amount of progress now last episode uh, we discussed um, that was featuring uh, London Paul. Uh, we discussed the transition of unipolarity into a multipolar world. Now, which as far as gold and silver is concerned, guarantees the demise of unipolarity. And it's going to be a major factor in driving the prices of paper set gold and silver into a far more equitable, physically derived market price that truly reflects supply and demand fundamentals. Now, with that in mind, and in addition to these bullish transitions out of the casino-derived rig prices, manic currency printing is competitively debasing all fiat currencies without exception against hard goods. That, of course, includes gold and silver as money. Following, and following the weaponization of, of Western-controlled fiat currencies, physical gold is being aggressively accumulated by global central banks actively buying fire insurance against Russia-like sanctions being imposed against them. And this could be at the whim of Western leaders who are already fool enough to continue to dig a deeper, ill-conceived sanctions hole that is forcing a global recession upon us. Now, you, you, you kind of look at it and think, can they be that stupid? Uh, and it kind of wonders if, you know, if, if, if it is actually they're trying to break system to rebuild it but 
but really, this is where gold and silver comes in. And, and, but, but what we're seeing is on top of this extremely bullish setup for gold and silver, there's a lot of wild cards that could actually exponentially force this tight ring-fenced market to explode higher. And the odds of, are really high uh, that the oil price cap has that you know that has just been imposed upon uh, upon the oil market is going to be a potential driver on that. Now, following the very poorly thought through imposition of dollar price caps on Russian oil last week, and we're not taking sides here. It's just ludicrous to try and cap uh, a market like the, the the oil market. It's it's just ludicrous to even attempt it. But what was interesting was Zoltan Prozar's piece, which was widely available, uh, was a piece on Russia accepting uh, gold, for, gold for oil. That's really raised some eyebrows here. And, and don't discount this because actually what we've been, we've been documenting uh, a really smaller scale of this energy commodity oil discount trade offered to friendly countries. And that commenced over seven months ago. We reported it, we talked about it, and it's been widely publicized. And as we've been documenting since then, even on this limited scale, at the margin, this unfactored additional demand for physical gold has been actually responsible for draining wholesale physical market liquidity, which has been relied on by the LBMA-centric paper market cartel, really, to contain the gold and silver inside a profitable gamed range. We talked about this gamed range, and it's although it's stair-stepping slowly higher, this is a game range. Now, Andrew, you also took a look at the silver uh, following the LBMA silver presentation back on the 28th of November. Now, you came up with some very interesting observations. Can you share them with our community here? Yeah, Shane, really, really enlightening too, especially as the smaller silver market provides us a much clearer window into the deliberately opaque world of, of the central bank managed gold markets. Now, last month, we got another rare glimpse into this smoke and mirrors world of the LBMA as they were forced to address the really obvious bifurcation of the paper silver market from, uh, you know, the price from the tight supply uh, and high premiums in the physical market. So, you know, really, I think they were forced to actually do this. Now, this fast, far too obvious disconnect between tight silver supply and the low price has become an actual embarrassment and has evidenced the COMEX uh, being put into the crosshairs for physical delivery. So this attempt to gaslight the industry, which is the professional trade, which is the biggest trade, uh, and, and they were getting nervous at holding the line uh, at risk of being overwhelmed, which they have been, into what they were trying to do is reassure them it's still okay to have a paper settled market. Quite clearly, that's what this was all about, is a real gaslighting at its ultimate. Now, to illustrate, while it was once considered to be a conspiracy theory to suggest that the paper, gold and silver markets act which is the dog that wags the physical tail. The 28th of November LBMA webinar you refer to, which was titled, and I get this, it was titled Silver, the Ever Capricious Metal. Now, what they, were, they had to admit that it is the, within this title, they had to admit that the paper silver market that sets the price for the fractionally held ounces of physical silver 
is underpinning the paper generated fixed prices is leveraged now really but this is not the best choice of words perhaps as capricious means inconsistent it means fickle and the like but yet there is nothing inconsistent about the lbma cartel fixed price it consistently and without exception fixes the global silver prices well below the actual deliverable wholesale silver price every single day without exception and this makes an absolute farce of the daily global silver fix that is really supposed to benchmark a deliverable silver price which is what most people think it is now what the fix consistently benchmarks is actually a paper settlement price and all that is done it, all that happens is it's netted out on the books of a daisy chain of highly leveraged lbma member banks without any physical changing hands now, instead these same actors collude to silo sufficient paper market volume into the u.s futures market so that they can technically chart paint a synthetic range which is the ranges we've been talking about that can be profitably gamed by the high frequency trading algos which are leading the specs by the nose to buy and sell at these synthetic pivots that they create this is the game this is the so-called professional trade but it only bifurcates the silver market to extremes and it provides but it provides an illusion of a real physical price whereas it is in fact determined by a bilaterally settled price completely off the books now the cartel of so-called professional traders referred to in this lbma presentation and i do encourage people to look at it are orchestrated by the four key marking make, market making bully banks and they're listed in the quarterly Office of the Comptroller Precious Metal Report, the OCC report. And it identifies JP Morgan, Goldman, Bank of America, City, all of who have skin in the game. Obviously, there's there's uh, other other uh, other game, uh, or UBS, there's obviously uh, Standard Charter. There, there are others in the game. But these are the primary four that you might see in the COT reports. Now, having skin in the game is where the problem lays. A true market maker does not have a directional agenda. But as we've recently out, outlined, the backdoor loadouts, this is at the back doors of the COMEX vaults where people are turning up and saying, give it to me, also exposes the, their Achilles heel into an increasingly depolarized global market who have turned upon the COMEX to directly load out physical silver at a few cents over the game paper price. Now, as, as market makers, these four traders have maintained a tight grip on the wholesale market and they provide providing a specialized metals banking services, very specialized for LBMA accredited producers and refiners, which all with through normal AML KYC disclosures, it exposes any non-LBMA bank buyers names and uh, really, so you try and sneak in and buy something under the radar, they know. And, and we have detailed in the past how they bully the producers to ration physical supply to non-LBMA members. Why? Because it sucks liquidity out of the system. Now we reported, us, we've reported ourselves and our clients being red flagged by the likes of UBS warning the second tier bank 
that was acting as our intermediately, they'd be blacklisted if we kept uh, demanding this physical. Now, a large physical order seeking to jump the LBMA ring fence will be red flagged, effectively imposing a moratorium on large orders being able to leave the ring fence that they really depend on to run the paper containment game. And this is why we've been drawing attention to how the greed of this game has finally backfired, evidencing silver being targeted in the usually paper-settled non-physical delivery futures markets. Of course, that leads directly into this LBMA um, netting out procedure. And as we, you know, however, you know, as we're looking at the content of the LBMA video presentation, their own leverage estimates only report what cannot be hidden to in, in, in the unregulated derivative markets. They illustrate happily that there's around 100 ounces of paper silver underpinning each ounce of deliverable silver. Oh, wow, this is, this is perfect gaslighting. However, this does not account for the massive bilaterally settled derivative market that even the present governor of the Bank of England, Andrew Bailey, admitted at a meeting that we had with him and our MP, Jeremy Lafroy. Uh, we had that meeting in 2019 when Bailey was head of the Financial Conduct Authority, that even the regulators have zero visibility into this unregulated derivative market. So, so then we just rely on, um, on, on information coming out from other industry apologists. In fact, if we look at industry apologist Jeffrey Christian from CPM Group, um, certainly not a friend of, uh, of, of us or gold or silver advocates, suggested that actually the silver ratio was 500 to one. And so what? He thought it was funny. And why we have spent time explaining in very recent episodes that silver is not Basel III NSFR compliant, meaning there is no requirement to back up a derivative position with physical silver, whereas conversely, spot gold, as settled at the daily fixes, is actually NSFR compliant, therefore physically deliverable, meaning liquidity providers offering spot gold in this 10 times larger than COMEX market must have the position fully backed if called upon for physical delivery. Now, now, Andrew, just before we started recording here, you had indicated, talking about silver, you had indicated that the price of silver could potentially explode if uh, gold comes under more buying pressure. Can you elaborate and, and go into this? Yeah, Shane, and, and particularly in the case that the gold for oil trade expands from its current friends-only deal into a global market offering of cheap oil for gold. Now, uh, really then the demand for physical gold will force Basel III compliant over-the-counter gold to be physically delivered in sufficient size to feed the multi-trillion dollar oil markets at a huge irresistible discount. Then the non-NSFR compliance of silver will backfire on the professional trade that the LBMA talk about, uh, and and that the LBMA seek to reassure in this um, in this episode in that episode, um, really as the price of physical gold easily doubles into Zoltan's assumptions. Now we're talking about leverage here. So to really to answer the question, Shane, why is this important for silver? I guess is is the question. It's true. It's it's due to the silver's openly admitted highly leveraged status. 
and we, they've, they've admitted 100 to 1. Industry apologists talk about 500 to 1. Somewhere in that number, which is huge. And when you think about it, it's ludicrous. Um, that's significantly higher than gold. So the prospect of doubling the spot gold fixed price is a huge issue for joined up the hip silver, likely tripling, quadrupling, or even larger the price into a bid-only market short squeeze. Now, with this $60 capped oil price currently pegged to a single gram of physical gold, it just happens to be a gram of gold, what, 60 bucks um, or thereabouts, the contention here is that if Russia opens up its oil market by openly exchanging potentially unlimited quantity, quantities of $60 cap barrels of oil to anyone who has physical gold to trade, it, to trade for it, then as Sultan suggests, sweetening the deal for, for the same gram of gold uh, and providing more oil for that same gram of oil, then this race to buy physical becomes a major threat to the bank's shuffling paper gold inside the central bank KBAL contained synthetic range. Now, now that sanctions have been imposed by the G7, it is to Russia's advantage to strategically double down on the already existing largely Indian oil for gold swap, which would be going on anyway, instead offering two barrels of oil pegged to each gram of gold. Now think about the implication of that. Um, the bargain will be impossible to ignore in the global markets and the race to buy immediately deliverable physical gold in ex to exchange for oil will force the price of gold to literally double. Now, at, he, he estimates 3,600. Well, that would be a doubling, roughly. Um, but more highly leveraged silver joined at the hip to gold will almost certainly hard test the 50s. Now, not only would this double-down strategy bolster the value of Russia's central bank existing stockpile of gold reserves, which is almost certainly, if not a primary objective, a secondary objective of such an offer. But it also obviously allows them to continue to, to, to generate and sell oil. But the sudden unfactored increase in the dollar price of gold into, bear in mind, we're talking about into a Basel III compliant over-the-counter spot market once again exposes the COMEX-centric EFP imbalance. Now, bear in mind, we're talking about EFP is simply the exchange for physical, where you've got a paper market in the COMEX, able to exchange that paper market into the over-the-counter market, which is <laughs> Puzzle 3 compliant, so therefore becomes deliverable. Now, this imbalance between Basel 3 compliant deliverable spot gold for an exchange position, they're currently one-to-one -one hedged against a short COMEX, a COMEX short position. So, uh, uh, so obviously, if we see this fracture occur again, we're going to see a March-like EFP fracture. We've been through that multiple times and, and how we saw suddenly 80 to $100 uh, differences, uh, higher price to get out of those positions uh, to, to, to avoid delivery by buying back your short positions on the COMEX, Bear in mind that we're talking about liquidity. Uh, uh, the, it's a 10 times larger market in the over-the-counter market. Now, obviously, they're trying to balance this. They're not stupid. Uh, they're trying to balance this. But this time, like last time, there was a central bank rescue. This time, that's not feasible, as the over-the-counter spot market is now fully NSFR compliant, which it wasn't the last time we saw this blow up. So, so let's just see how this game of, uh, has changed for gold. 
So at the margin, and always at the margin because of this leverage situation, and this answers a lot of questions, despite spot gold being NSFO compliant and the paper to physical structure improving dramatically, which it has, although muted, the game has continued. Now for hedging purposes, which is long spot gold positions, they must they have an offsetting COMEX short position, so they're technically compliant. This is how the CFTC and the and the regulators say that's fine. Well, because they consider it to be compliant. But these so-called hedges are structured upon a carefully calculated supply of deliverable physical gold that is able to be called on for de on uh, for delivery on demand. So they try and calculate that. Namely, this trading balance, we'll call it a balance, is determined by how many of these NSFR compliant long over-the-counter positions can be paper squared against the COMEX-centric speculators who can be relied upon to never take delivery inside the COMEX casino. That's why we were talking about this earlier as to how that occurs. And this is where the tail risk to a Western central blowback is exposed. And as we've identified the slowly rising stair step ranges that we've been witnessing in gold as deter are determined by how much of the short load can be laid on the speculators. And we talked about this multiple times. And by financing these heavily leveraged spec positions, the optimum point that specs can be rinsed of their naked long or short positions is the actual balance point between the paper and the physical markets, i.e. how tight the unleveraged or physical wholesale market is weighed against the highly leveraged COMEX-centric synthetic action. These are the footprints that the insiders cannot hide from the wholesale market. And given the primary house insiders holding the book on spec loaned positions, in other words, the specs have loaned it from these guys, they know where the pain points are. Uh, obviously, they've got up to the minute, they're privileged to have up to the minute information on exactly where the maximum pain point is. And they're able to ensure the maximum number of hedged positions can be profitably squared without exposing themselves to physical delivery obligations. Now, clearly, this is a much more muted game, but explains, although the ranges are a lot more shallow, this explains how they are gaming the stair-stepping higher ranges. Now, if the KBAL managed stair-step rising price of gold suddenly breaches through these insider cap ranges, triggered by a March 2020-like shortage of physical gold to meet a sudden surge in demand, whereas before it was COVID-related, there were no refineries open, now there's simply a shortage of physical, then there will be a race to cover into an increasingly bid-only uh, bid paper market. So in the interim, as we've been reporting since the March EFP blow-up, March 2020 EFP blow-up, fractured the paper market and forced the actual implementation of Basel III compliance this January, although unreported by any of the mainstream media, the oil for gold swap has been going on since April. And it's expanded since then, largely being capitalized on by the Indian market, flying under the radar of a significant increase in gold smuggling, richly profiting, who are richly profiting from from these uh, the, these people active in the trade, 
getting a 30% discount on Russian oil, over a 30% discount in many instances on Russian oil, and selling it back into the market, at market, for a tidy profit. Why wouldn't you? But that has seen a physical drain on bullion, because this physical's not coming back into the market. This trade has severely impact, impacted available physical supply. And if you remember, at one point in October, we reported here on our channel that we were... <laughs> Dubai was commanding $15 an ounce wholesale kilo bar premiums in Dubai to feed into this Indian market. Why? It's a no-brainer. It's not rocket science. You know, this is a huge discount. And of course, the, so you can literally to, to power this oil trade. The visible physical demand, I mean, the visible physical demand really that was required in excess of what could be smuggled into India is what we saw here to power this oil trade. It's just not rocket science. If you are able to buy gold in an exchange of a $30 oil and sell it into the market, what do you think is gonna happen now? Now, while Indian smuggling activity increased threefold, uh, and we've talked about this multiple times, and the World Gold Council estimates 30, to 30 tons has been the historical average. We've talked about this empirical evidence saying it's 90 plus tons a month and combined with a large reported push by global central banks to also accrue physical gold the 399 tons officially reported inside uh, the 98 tons that flowed into the bis site accounts this exit of physical supply starved the general market or is starving the general market and has played a major factor in tightening global physical supply so what's different here is that Russia has the means and the wherewithal to open up the massive global oil trade to everyone, which will raise the price sufficiently to ignite very large sideline money waiting for 2,000 gold to become support. There's a ton of liquidity reporting that people are sitting on the sidelines waiting for this to become support. This concatenation of buying comes at a time when the option structure, we talked about the options, the derivative option structure, which we read because it shows the footprints of this opaque market, already suggests this round number milestone will be overcome. And once again, and once and for all, we're going to see a break of the paper market goal game, this time unable to be contained back by the central banks. Well, that's amazing. Well, Andrew, I've been saying this for a long time, uh, but now I see other industry experts have noticed that you've been way ahead of the curve following the BIS, Bank of International Settlements footprint. Now, I understand that you have an update for us. Can you share that with us? Yeah, this is an important update um, on the BIS um, cleaning house ahead of a price reset. Um, and if you remember, after clearing out virtually all residual gold swap liabilities in October, the most recent November report evidences both inflows of central bank bullion being deposited into the BIS site accounts, which is seeking really to gain a little alpha um, on this gold into these capped, uh, albeit higher ranges. So the central banks are playing this game too. Now the BIS simply acts as a bailee for the central Central, central bank bullion, which is held in the name of each participating central bank. And they're all seeking to gain that little bit of alpha on some of their bullion, not, not all of their bullion, 
um, uh, by depositing some of these holdings in the BIS trading account to be traded. Now, the BIS reports that swaps during this period increased to 105 tons. While this is an increase, an increase from almost zero, in effect, I believe it was zero on, the, on November the 6th, it's significantly below the over 500 tons that we began this year with. So what's going on is what we're trying to illustrate here. As we previously reported into the October 31st spot gold dip into the Bank of International Settlements options expiry, we've talked about why this is such an important options position. And that fixed at 1639. Now the BIS reports that they had squared all but seven tons of this over 500 tons um, that they started the year with. Furthermore, we had, as I say, reliable feedback that they squared the last few tons into the 1616s it was um, uh, in the COMEX generated November the 4th lows. So, so that was pretty much what we had seen. Now, however, during the month of November, the gold price rose well over a hundred bucks into the next Bank of International Settlements options cutoff captured in this most recent report, fixing the end of the month at 17.53 and a half, netting out really that was 114 and a half dollar increase in the rise of gold during that one period. Now, while the plan was to gain a little alpha on the deposited central bank gold holdings in this managed central bank game, our liquidity providers also think this swap addition was an emergency measure to fill a void in a very tight physical market commanding very, very large premiums and tight supply. However, this attempt to loan out this 105 tons into the agent bullion banks was implemented on the basis that gold could be contained into a rising dollar. Now, this was well before the dollar got strongly rejected at its 200-day moving average last week, which is an important, an important uh, technical indicator that suggests that the dollar is on the retreat. And it did not factor in what Russia may be incentivized to pull out of the oil sanctions toolbox now. Now, I would think they were a bit worried about that position. No, they can cover it with, they can just cover it with cash. Um, now, we've, as we've covered in previous episodes, with the Russian central bank coffers, Full footprints strongly suggest that the freshly acquired Russian central bank gold sourced from this India oil oil for uh, for gold uh, gold for oil trade. This this gold hasn't appeared anywhere. It just has not reappeared. So what does that tell us? It is tells us that, that this is empirical evidence that this physical bullion has been swapped with very large buyer has to be has to be China for goods and rubles. China has yet to disclose the likely 30,000, 40,000 tons of physical gold alchemized from the paper markets over the few years here and salted between the state-held banks and their citizens. As we've been reporting for well over three years now, not a single ounce of physical gold has ever risked leaving the BIS site accounts. The gold swap liabilities are simply laid on the books of a handful of too big to fail bullion banks who are privileged to have these gold accounts with the Bank of England. However, it's important to note that all 
of these freshly added positions are now underwater. And while this was likely intended that at December the 30th, uh, OPEX options expire for the BIS, they would find sufficient naked um, uh, longs, spec longs on the COMEX options expiry, which is December the 27th. This is why we talked about December the 27th in our last market episode. This is a huge expiry. Um, and it's because it shows how wrong-footed the speculators are. So they were hoping, they're probably hoping to find sufficient spec uh, longs into this. Now, the COMEX options, uh, what they would do is then you rinse, try and rinse it back into the range to try and square these positions. But the Indian oil for gold trade that has plagued the central banks poses a major threat to this plan going awry. Now, we suspect these swaps will actually be quickly unwound. There's no issue for the too-big-to-fail Asian banks as they undoubtedly have a guarantee to back up these short bets if they're called on for physical delivery. Um, and the, they just simply square them out with that uh, position. They'll have to go to market to get it. What's that going to do? Raise the price. However, this means buying physical gold at market at a loss. That's not a problem to square up the books of the too big to fail banks at a higher price. What's it going to do? Cost a few billion in freshly printed fiat? But especially when you weigh up that this central bank of central bank has far bigger fish to fry than gold. The BIS is currently unable to account for some $65 billion of, their, their words, huge missing and growing debt. I mean, this is from pension funds, largely from pension funds, uh, what they owe through foreign exchange swaps uh, and related unfathomable bilateral deliverable transactions. I mean, really, there's their real problem. Amazing again. Now, Andrew, as we head into the end of the year 2022 and right into 2023, tell us what you see playing out. Yeah, and I think this is always a question. Okay, stackers, want to know everyone wants to know um i mean so what are we seeing more immediately because we're going into the end of the year now the option structure we talked about the option structure being so important it's still evidences the speculators are severely offside into the december 27th expiry and without them to rinse it also suggests the bis will find it very tricky to exit underwater fresh swaps at a profit so they may have to take a loss on that now, the January, December 27th, the January expiry, which is the December 27th options expiry, is a wholly more bullish structure than that we just experienced in our last expiry, which was the December expiry ending in November. That, that, that it, sort of what it's doing is exposing the specs lured into betting against 26 through 28 silver. They're no longer protected by insiders capping their previous bearish bets at 22, potentially opening up specs to unlimited losses. I think this is something, one of the reasons why they've scrambled this LBMA uh, episode out to try and gaslight these guys into professional trade, into, into don't worry, paper's fine. No, it's not. These end of year shorts provide a lot of short cover fuel for the insiders on the long side of spec shorts. So maybe they would prefer not to raise the price and, and, uh, and, and capitalize on those yet while they can still game the range, but this they may have to do this. And these, these shorts have been accru accrued 
since silver was actually short sold at $26 back in March of this year. Now, this gap has to get closed. Uh, in gold, uh, unlike the market making bullion banks exposed to NSFR uh, compliant over the counter legs of their short positions, the specs in silver has still not discerned the convert. Sorry, the, the the specs in gold have still not discerned the convertibility of COMEX registered gold being simply EFP'd into this conduit into Basel III compliant physical delivery conversions. The January De December 27th options uh, structure it reflects a very similar bullish change from 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 last month's expiry so while the 10 times larger nsfr compliant 1800 spot level now bearing in mind that the spot level is the key level here and that's roughly right now about 11 uh, it's 1811 uh, as we speak on wednesday here ahead of fomc but it is basically 18 1811 is the key level so anyone looking at that level it is related directly to 1800 spot. So it's undoubtedly had been capped into head of CPI, which CPI print yesterday breached that level. Now it's undoubtedly been capped into this level. Now that likely related to the BIS swaps. Now, once it becomes support though, and I think this is the key thing we have FOMC later, once this FOMC dust settles, there's little resistance until 1850, where, which is an important level, where very large sideline money is aggregated to come into the market. This is also a structurally bullish parallel, which we've not evidenced since October 2008, ahead of a similar physically driven short squeeze. This is what the January options structure on for December 27th expiry indicates, potentially uncovering extremely large spec bents against the house between 2000 and 2400. Now, that may take until early January to start to fulfill, but this is the structure. It is simply the footprints that we see. And while we expect some backfilling along the way, and we've been seeing that, and we love to see backfilling, because in the paper market, you leave too big a gap, then you know that that gap on the upside is just riddled with, with, with uh, naked long speculator stops. And, and if it's too big a gap, you can ignite that gap. You can literally target every single sell order and overshoot and profitably buy back while they're still selling. So this is the game of the ranges. Um, but what, so it's been helpful to see the backfilling. People moan when they see a, a retracement. I think it's very, very solid. But the ranges are tight. Both gold and silver are structured well for 2023. So in the interim, we're staying long and strong uh, we're, we're, and we'll let the Fed dust fully settle, then look to add more physical to our holdings and our clients' holdings. We're already long and strong. Uh, very little has changed since our last market, up, market update, actually, Shane. Um, really, we, th th those assessments already saw that silver wanted to lead the way higher. And in, in fact, it has been leading gold higher. So from a daily perspective, while we anticipate continued volatility into power later tonight, again, this is just ahead of FOMC, the dollar index is technically on its heel after being rejected at its 105.75 
uh, 200-day moving average. Again, important. This will have wrong-footed spec algos and have them on high alert because they depend on a rising dollar to inversely sell against naked silver, against gold and silver. But more highly leveraged silver broke out of its short-term cap range earlier than gold. And notably, this follows, uh, I think, about 270 tons of SLV shorts being covered. It's becoming widely reported that um, global central banks are very actively accruing gold. And with an extremely depleted silver market joined at the hip, dips will continue to be capitalized and very short-lived. And we have Christmas chat. We have a Christmas chat coming up with someone very, very special next week. This is our last market update of 2022 right now. And while our primary focus is on investing in physical gold and silver as undoubted wealth preservation assets, we also look forward to significantly higher gold and silver prices in all currency, denominated in all currencies in 2023, as the physical dog simply starts to wag the paper tail. Well, I guess that leaves just one thing left to say today. How much physical gold and silver do you own? Now, now Andy, hey, before we let you go, before we let you go, look, the community is buzzing. Uh, I know next week that there is a very, very special uh, interview coming up. And there's rumors. I mean, it, it could be this person or this person. There's about 20 people on the list of who could be our final guest of the year. Can you give us a clue or anything, or we're we just going to leave it at that. <laughs> uh, all I will say is, is, is there'll be no disappointment. Somebody very, very special, a visionary, in fact. Yes, and I will be there too. And with that, thank you so much, Andrew McGuire, Talking Gold. And remember to our entire Life in the Vault community, buy physical and make sure it's one-to-one -one physical and understand the difference between what Andy affectionately calls the casino paper gold and silver markets and the actual physical gold and silver markets they're not the same don't be fooled and there you have it that's all we have for you today on another fascinating episode of live from the vault please help keep spreading the word about this channel you know it really helps us when you hit that like button so do it now or or share this or even subscribe hit the bell if you want to be notified as each episode goes live, and I'll especially, look, I'll tell you this, if you're watching this right now, hit the bell right now because you want to be notified on the next one because I know it's going to be a blockbuster. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see you next time right here on Live from the Vault. See you then.